Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. All right, let's pray. God, thank you uh, for the way that you take care of us. We thank you for your generosity. We thank you that you continue to give life, that you nurture us, uh, that you see us and you love us and you delight in us and you lead us in the way of life. As we open up your word this morning, I pray that you'd lighten up our hearts. I pray that you'd help us to see you. You'd help us to hear you, that we'd take it in, that we wouldn't just be uh, people where the word bounces off, but we'd be a, a rich, cultivated soil where the seed gets in, takes root, and grows. May that be true of us, Jesus, as we turn to you. We pray in your name. Amen. You ever have somebody come up to you and ask you how you're doing? And like you knew this was different than the passing, hey, how you doing? Like walk on by, nod your head, shake hands or whatever. You knew that they like were waiting for your answer. Whether you wanted to give it or not is kind of a, uh, sometimes it can be a piercing look. It's as if the question wasn't really a statement of like just passing, I see you, but, but it was like getting in. Like you matter to me. I care about you. I see you. I want to know how you're doing because I'm with you. And even more than that, you felt safe in telling them how you were doing. You ever have that? You may have been in the presence of somebody that I think the Bible describes as a shepherd. We're going to talk about that today. The shepherd pastor role and the gifts of the church that Jesus gives in Ephesians 4. So we're wrapping up today this five-week series that we've called We the Church. And the Bible describes the church as the body of Christ, right? Having one body, one united body, but many different parts. So there's a diverse unity. We're not all cookie cutters of one another. We're different. But, but God does that beautifully so that we are knit together in all of our differences so that we get stronger together. In some sense... We're all called to all five of these. It's called discipleship. But there are going to be places, I think, where we find sweet spots, where we find like, oh, this is me as I was really called to live. This just happens naturally. This just comes out of me. I think this kind of thinking, uh, looking at the fivefold gifts as they've been called, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, Looking at the church this way raises the bar for discipleship. Instead of looking at the church of being just a few leaders who can like stand higher than everybody else and just impart truth to you, and you come and you uh, get a little uh, a dole out of growth for the morning, and then you go away feeling fed. We, the church, the fivefold ministries, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is a way that says we are in this together. And I want you to be growing so that you equip me. And I want to be growing so that I equip you. And I want us to be growing so that we equip together because the point of this is that we all reach maturity together in Christ as our head. We're basing this on Ephesians 4. Ephesians kind of functions like a constitution to the church, right? This general letter to the church of Jesus Christ. 
People who follow him, who gather to worship and who live their lives following. This is like a guiding foundational document. And Ephesians 4 starts with this call to diverse unity. Highlighting Jesus and then looking to how we are past the torch to follow him with these gifts. I want to read Ephesians 4, uh, 1 through 8, and then 11 through 13. I'm going to be reading from the New Revised Standard. Um, So if you have something that's just a little bit different, I think it's going to carry the same idea, maybe just in a couple different words. Ephesians 4 says, this is Paul writing, I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But... Each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. He made you. And he gave you gifts so that others would be blessed as you live those out. We, the church, are made up of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And we need all five of these functioning to be a fully healthy body, right? Now, three quick points to kick us off. The first is, some people think that Paul is talking about a select few in leadership. But leadership isn't brought up in context here. I think it's unnatural to import leadership on this text. I think as he calls us to one uh, body and one faith, and then he says, but each of us was given grace, that he's talking to each of us. And then he says, the gifts given to each of us or that we would have this five-fold ministry operating in our body. That's the first. I don't think it's for a select few. I think it's for all of us. Second, this is not about um, amassing power. This is about serving. Like Paul said, live a life worthy of your calling with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. These gifts are given to us not so that we can get puffed up, but so that we can give, Right? so that we can bless, so that we could equip one another. The gifts are meant to be blessings. And number three, I really wholeheartedly believe that all five of these gifts are available to both men and women. Some would have a differing opinion in that. I don't see that. I think all of these, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, uh, in this context here, are talking like we the church, women and men, this is available to you. So we're going to start there. Through this series, we've been talking about one of these gifts each week and breaking them down. At the core of this is Jesus. Like, again, like Julie said, Jesus is the perfect example of each one of these. 
where we say we want to follow Jesus at Damascus Road. We're following him as he is the apostle. We're following him as he's the evangelist. We're following him as he's the shepherd. It starts with Jesus, and he hands this off to us like uh, a baton passing. As he ascends, he's like, here you go. Follow me. This is for you now. The apostle is the one, uh, literally the sent one, breaking off into new territory, asking the question, is, are the people of God breaking into new land? Are we going into places yet unreached? Are we innovating in a way that's bringing the gospel to places that it hasn't yet penetrated, light in the darkness? The prophet is the one who hears from God and then shares it. Right? Sometimes in super, supernatural ways, and sometimes just in really natural ways. A life oriented, attentive to God and sharing that. And I think there's a vertical and a horizontal part to the prophet. Somebody who lives listening to God and then also eyes out on the world around. And the prophets can tend to see brokenness in the world and call the church to respond through the eyes of Christ. How does Jesus look at brokenness and how are we called to respond to it? This is the prophet. The evangelist is a person who's always call, or always looking to make connections with people, people who don't yet know Jesus, to invite them into the family, and not in some kind of like manipulative, proselytizing way, but like a normal, I want to share life with you. I want to know you, and I want you to know Jesus, who's the best thing in my life, and I think you would be better knowing him, right? People who are inviting people in. Those are the pioneers, the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, people breaking out. And then there's developers. Justin talked about the teachers last week, helping us to know and understand the word and the ways of God. Those are teachers. Somebody who can take, like, concepts and break it down so that I can understand them, right? You ever been with somebody who's just good at that? They're like, I got this question, and they share something with you, and they're like, oh, that was way easier than I thought it was. Like, why couldn't have somebody said that a long time ago? That's a teacher. Somebody who understands and then can communicate the word and the ways of God and break it down so that we can understand. Again, not so that they can, like, stand way high on the stage so we all look and they're like, oh, you're just amazing. I could never be like that. That's, that's not really a teacher, not the best kind. The best kind of teachers make you feel smarter. They make you feel like you understand, not that they understand right? They pass that on to you. So today we're going to look at the shepherd. And here's a, here's a quick preview. I'm going to give you a definition of the shepherd. I'm going to talk about God as shepherd. I'm going to talk about Jesus as shepherd. I'm going to talk about how Jesus passes the baton um, in the New Testament and shepherds in the church today. I'm going to give you some action points and then some questions to take with you. And we're going to say amen. And we're going to go back into worship with communion, okay? So that's, that's where we're going. So the shepherd, the pastor, is the one who nurtures God's people. Again, this is not a select few. Like both Justin and I have the title of pastor here. And this is not talking about that. Okay? The pastor is the one who cares for God's people, nurtures God's people. They ask the question, are we caring for? Are we showing compassion to one another? God identifies himself as shepherd in the Bible. In Ezekiel 34, there's this beautiful passage of God, how he relates with his people. 
says in uh, verses 11 through 15, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will find them. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. And I love how it continues. He wraps it up. He says, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. This is shepherd. This is God as shepherd. He sees us as his sheep. And not just as dumb little critters, but as a flock that he dearly loves and cares for. And over and over, he says, I myself will care for them. Now, in the context, if you pull back a little bit in Ephesians 4 and you go to the verses just preceding this, you're going to find a huge contrast because he's got um, a harsh word for the people in uh, the land who were supposed to be shepherding on God's behalf as if they were under shepherds, right? God had given them the position to take care of his people to steward that well. And he has a harsh rebuke. And he basically says, you should be feeding them and you're getting fat. You should be caring for them and you're just caring for yourself. You selfish shepherds are not. So I will. I will do it, God says. And you can see where this is going, right? When he says, I myself will seek and save the lost. I myself will bring healing. I myself will care. And you can't do it. You haven't done it. I will do it. There's so much compassion displayed here. God has amazing care for his people. So shepherds nurture. And they guide. And they protect. And they encourage. They seek out those who are wandering and they look to find those who are hurting so that they can be cared for. Now, this is how David knew God, right? Psalm 23 is one of the most famous passages in the whole Bible. And it starts out what? The Lord is my shepherd. He says he makes me lie down. Like the only time a sheep can lie down is if it's at peace. Not if it's scattered or anxious if it knows it's protected, if it knows it's safe, if it knows it's provided for, then it can lie down. And God says, I want that for you. And David says, that's how I know God, someone who takes care of me and will provide for me. And he will do it unfailingly. And then Jesus shows up. Can you see shepherd in Jesus? Yeah. Right? Absolutely. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And it's as if you could go back to 
uh, Ezekiel 34 and other passages that talk about shepherds who were not. Shepherds who were herding the flock, who were stealing from the flock instead of giving to the flock. And uh, Ezekiel 34 where God says, I'm going to seek and save the lost. I'm going to bind up the broken. Jesus shows up and he says, I'm the good shepherd. That's me. I'm going to do this. I am doing this in your midst because I love you and I care for you and I'm not going to quit. I'm going to seek you until you're found and I will bring you home. This is the shepherd. Jesus says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Like I care about you so much that I would sacrifice my own well-being for yours. And then in John 10, 14, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. It's like he's not just doesn't look at the flock and be like, oh, that is mine. It's like, I know them. I know their cute little pet names. Not really. I don't think God looks at us like that. He looks at us and he sees us both as a community and as individuals. So I love them. John 10, 27 and 28, he goes on with this shepherd metaphor. And he says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. If you've ever had the chance to like, do a quick YouTube search on uh, Middle Eastern shepherds, it's pretty fascinating how there can be uh, a couple different flocks all uh, commingled, and a shepherd can start calling, and his sheep know his voice and just start walking toward him. And it, just the sound of his voice separates the different flocks. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and my sheep know my voice. They hear me, and they come to me, right? We know each other. Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. Luke 4 sounds similar, too, where he shows up in the synagogue, and he starts reading in Isaiah, and he says, like, I have come to bring freedom and liberty and healing. This is a shepherd who's taking care of his people. Over and over, we see Jesus caring for people bringing healing, bringing, uh, like he had, he had the ability to see people who had been lost in the crowds. So he sees Zacchaeus, this short, greedy guy, and he invites him in. He sees Matthew as a tax collector, and he invites him to walk with him and be one of his closest. He sees Simon, Peter, who's this uh, impulsive zealot. Later, he's going to cut off somebody's ear to protect Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, that's not how we do things. But he's inviting Peter to walk with him. He looked into the eyes of the woman at the well. And when their conversation was over, she went back to everybody she knew and she led people back to Jesus. Like she had learned the voice of the shepherd and she's able to use the voice of the shepherd to call people to him. He speaks with grace to the woman caught in adultery when everybody else was looking to just stone her and kill her. He invites Mary to sit and learn from him. When that was a position that was kind of withheld and restricted to men, he says, Mary, I want you to come and sit at my feet so that you can learn too. He invited little children to him who were not seen as being able to provide anything because they can't, and so they were worthless. And Jesus gives them worth, and he says, I'm inviting you to me. He fed four and 5,000 people. 
He calmed the storm, and then he calmed their fears. Even at the cross, he's taking care of people. He looks down at his mom, and what you could arguably say is his closest follower in John. And he gave them to each other. Mary, you're losing a son. I want you to see John as son. John, Mary needs a son. You're losing a best friend, and I want you to still have connections with people. And he gives them. Even as he's dying, he's taking care of people. And after rising from the dead, he had the patience to let Thomas poke at him so that he could help Thomas hear his voice and recognize who he was. He speaks peace and comfort and healing and love over and over and over. Do you think Jesus operates like shepherd? Absolutely, yes. And then Jesus passes the baton. I love the picture in John 21 where Jesus has gone to trial. He's been killed. Peter's uh, denied him three times, right? And then even after the resurrection, I think this weight is hanging on to Peter. Like, I know Jesus is alive. That's awesome. But you know what I did? I just like disqualified myself. And he goes back to fishing. And Jesus walks up on the beach after a long night like he had before. And when Peter recognizes him, he just jumps out and he starts swimming back. And I don't even know if he beat the boat back. But he gets up on the beach and Jesus is there. And they start talking. And the first thing that Jesus says to Peter is, go grab some of your fish. Let's have breakfast. He's like, I'm not going to go after you. I'm not going to pound you. I'm not going to like... Uh, tell you all the things that you did wrong and like hang your denial of me out to dry. Let's be together. Let's spend some time together. And he's taking care of Peter. And then the conversation that ensues says, and we've got to deal with some stuff. You've got this hanging around your neck and we've got we to work past this together. And Jesus has this conversation with Peter in John 21, in verse 15, says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He's looking around at the guys, at the fish, at the business, at like everything going on. Do you love me more than all this? Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. This is a shepherd empowering a shepherd. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And there's this depth um, of relationship, of confronting his own ugliness and yet not staying there in shame, but like dealing with it so that he could move on. And Jesus is saying, your life is not for you. I want you to take care of these. I want you to take care of others. I want you to live your life because you know that I care about you. Now pour in yourself into others. Don't just go into self-protect mode. Look who you can protect. Look who you can tend and look who you can feed. I want you to give that on. I love this conversation as a way of the good shepherd handing the baton to another shepherd. I need you to do this. I want you to care for people. 
in the church today. The shepherds are the ones who care about others with a tender heart. They see needs. They provide comfort. They encourage. And not just like say nice things. Encourage means to give courage, right? To help people face into tough stuff. And just to be crystal clear again, this is not about the title of pastor. As if the church could be made of a a bunch of apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and a few pastors. In this sense, there are a lot of shepherds among us. Shepherds often score high in empathy. The ability to feel what somebody else is feeling. Maybe not agree with the feeling, but they can feel it, right? Sympathy is, I, I, it becomes mine. I am feeling exactly, and it's heavy on me, and I can, empathy says, I know what you're feeling. I can sense it, right? And I can meet you there, but it stays yours. They're often, shepherds are often easy to talk to. They feel safe to others. Shepherds have a healing voice. They're often patient. They deeply desire people to know the peace and the healing of God. Just as sheep herders guide sheep, shepherds are guides, leading and helping people to walk in the way of life. And shepherds often, where do they, where do they lead from with the flock? If you watch them, oftentimes they lead from behind, right? And they can, like, uh, help the flock move forward. Shepherds are often not flashy, but they're nurturing and moving uh, the flock along. Shepherds go after strays, and they help them back into community. And they're disheartened when people leave. It gets heavy on shepherds when people walk away, when sheep walk away. Do we need shepherds among us, you think? Yeah. If we're all just a bunch of pioneers and we're not tending to one another, we're not caring for one another, we're not meeting each other's needs uh, and meeting each other in places of need, then I think we're going to run ourselves ragged. We're going we're gonna to get dry and broken and we'll become empty vessels, just doing a whole lot of stuff from a place of emptiness. That's not good. So right now, I just want you to pause. I want you to go ahead, and I want you to put your uh, head down. I want you to close your eyes, and I promise not to embarrass you, okay? I want you to ask the question to yourself, have I experienced a shepherd in my life? A human shepherd. Someone who created space for you to grow, to share, to open up. Someone who saw you and made you feel not alone. Someone who asked you how you were doing and cared enough to listen to the answer. Someone who encouraged you and walked with you. If you have that person in mind right now, I just want you to thank God for them. God, thank you for the shepherds you put in my life who have seen me, who have cared for me, who have walked with me and helped me grow. And if you don't, if you don't have anyone like that in your life, know this. Jesus loves you deeply. 
as the good shepherd, he left heaven for you. He gave his life for you. And he wants you to walk with him right now through whatever you're going through. Will you let him? And so you might even just like offer this simple prayer right now to Jesus as your shepherd. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry for wandering and going my own way. I want to follow you. Please forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me walk with you the rest of my days. And if you prayed that, I just want you to nudge the person next to you or squeeze their hand or give them an elbow just so they can see you in this space. And that's going to be a cue that you want to talk. Okay, open your eyes. I want you to think back to the shepherd in your life. If you could identify somebody, think back to that person who you thank God for. uh, And let me say something to you. You can do that. You can do what they did for you. You can shepherd others. You can be somebody who grows in the way that you care for others. And so it's like three different specific action points to cultivate the shepherd in you. One, get to know people's names and stories. I am not somebody who naturally easily remembers names. And I've tried to make that a discipline for me. Like learn somebody's name. I I try often in the first 30 seconds of meeting somebody to say their name out loud. And like hopefully it doesn't come off as awkward. Peter! Like, like, okay, weird. Not going to talk again. Okay? But it helps me. It anchors their name in for me. And then then I'll walk away and I'll like go to my phone and write a note down. Like I just met Peter. Right? And... I try to remember. I try to make a discipline of remembering people's names because you know what it's like when somebody remembers your name. And you can do that. You might be really good. There are some people who are like easy. They can remember everybody's names uh, and those people annoy me. (laughs) But you can develop it. If that's you, I'm sorry. I'm only slightly annoyed. I look up to you and I think that's an incredible gift. But if that's not you... Don't use it as an excuse. Like, try. Like, write people's names down. Think about them throughout the week. Try to be attentive to people in your life. And if you forget their name, don't feel ashamed. It'll be like, hey, re- remind me. I'm trying to get your name down. People aren't offended by that, I have found. I, I really want to know your name. Oh, you do. Now, if you're, like, asking their name 50 times, mm, you know, there's something going on. But pay attention to people. Names are a good place to start. And then their stories. To be able to say, oh, this person is going through that. Not to others like gossip, right? But like to, to have them in mind. I know their name, and I know that she's walking through this right now. And if you pray for them, it's personal. It's not just, you know, general anonymous kind of stuff. Get to know people, their names Uh, and their stories. Listen to what Alan Hirsch says here. He said, to be a good shepherd in any reasonable sense of the word would be to know all the names and the stories of the people in one's immediate care. 
calling oneself a pastor or shepherd, yet not knowing the personal details of the particular people in one's orbit, probably disqualifies one from being a shepherd in any meaningful sense of the term. A little bit harsh, right? But if you think you're a shepherd and you don't know your sheep, there's something very wrong. Number two, develop good boundaries. Immature shepherds become codependents. Our job is to care and guide and that let people how... Uh, let people decide how they're going to respond. I don't get tanked if somebody else walks away. That's theirs to decide. Right? I can't take all of that on me, and you can't either. If somebody chooses to go down a path that you know is going to hurt them, you have to let them. You can warn them. You can walk with them. But you can't become them. And you can't sort of commingle identities and like live through them. That's codependency and it's not healthy. So develop boundaries. Figure out what's you and what's not you. What's mine and what's yours. Because when I keep those separate, that's, that starts to feel a little bit cold. But when I keep it separate, as long as I keep your stuff yours, I can help you with your stuff. Does that make sense? If I make your stuff mine, i got to deal with my stuff, and now I can't help you with your stuff. So shepherds, grow your boundaries. Figure out how to not live codependently, and if you struggle with that, share it. Open up. Identify that as a weakness, and walk with people in community to say, this is something that needs attention in my life. And I'm going to pray for freedom here, that I'm not bound by sharing identities with others. That's two. So get to know names and stories. Develop boundaries so that you don't become codependent as a shepherd. And the third is don't despise the way God made you. Don't sell yourself short. So in seminary, we just did this thing called Strength Finder. Talked about like 34 different strength themes that people have, right? And you take this test. Some of you guys love these tests. Some of you hate the test. Some of you rely too much on the test. Some of you don't give them enough credit. Okay? 34 strength themes. You enter all these questions and it says, here are your top five. Now, the idea was, like, focus on your strengths because that's your sweet spot. Don't, like, look at what you suck at and think, oh, if I could just get a little better there, then I'd be way better. Focus on what you're good at. You'll have way more growth. So... I'm going to show you my top five. We did this in seminary. We took the test, and I got it back, and I was disappointed. I'm going to put it up on the screen, I hope. Okay. I got it back, and I was empathy. Number one, I can feel what people feel. Number two, I got connectedness, which means I, like, connect the dots. In, like, somebody says something grouchy, I'm like, what do you have for breakfast? Or did you have a fight uh, just before coming here? What's going on in here? And I can also look at decisions made and say, that's going to have an implication here and here and here and here. No, no decisions happen in a vacuum. That's connectedness. But it's all up here in my head, right? Then I'm a learner. Like, I'm, I'm fairly good at taking information that I don't understand, taking it in. I'm like, oh, I get it now. Pretty good at that. I can do that. I can become, I can go from novice to competent fairly quickly. Okay? Uh, individualization is not looking at everybody as a cookie cutter, cookie cutout. Not everybody's the same. Everybody is unique. And so you deal with people uh, according to who they are. 
not just, um, like there's another strength called consistency. Consistency and individualization drive each other nuts, right? Consistency says, I want to treat everybody the same way. I want to be fair. And individualization says, oh, you're an idiot. <laughs> right? It says, nah, you got to treat people according to who they are. That doesn't mean we can just make up the rules on the go. That's not that. And then developer, like somebody who can help people take the next step and grow, not leaps and bounds. Now, I was hoping for maximizer, because maximizer just sounds cool. Like I could be in like some gladiator film. I'm going to help people reach their full potential. I didn't get maximizer in my top five. I looked at it, I was like, I can feel, I connect the dots, I can learn, I can see people as unique. I haven't done anything yet. I haven't done a, a single thing. Oh, now I can help somebody take the next step. And I, I was talking to an advisor who said, you're thinking about it a little bit wrong. Like you're despising yourself. You're despising the way God made you. And you need to start to see these as strengths. Not weaknesses, not lamities, right? <laughs> these are strengths. Put these to work. So I've tried to grow into that. And I want you, if you're a shepherd, I think shepherds can have a tendency to say, well, I'm not a pioneer. I'm just a settler. I'll just, you know. I don't have one of those other cool gifts. Don't despise yourself. Don't despise the work that God did in you, how he wired you. Stand up into it. And number four, I don't know if I said there were three, but there's four. <laughs> Sorry, Todd. I'm just, just going to own it right now. Thank you. <laughs> don't forget your shepherd. Don't think that you can be a shepherd without yourself having the shepherd. Keep coming back to the one who cares for you. Follow his way. Don't think of yourself only as a helper to others. You'll get a Jesus complex. Keep returning to Jesus and walk with him. And I think as we follow Jesus, as we share life, as we love our neighbor, we need to be caring for one another. All of us are called as disciples to care for and nurture one another. It's going to come a lot more naturally to some than others. So if you care deeply for others, if you're empathetic and you can feel what others are feeling, if people have told you that they feel safe talking to you, if you're patient with others who are struggling, if you love helping people and, and then you want them to know the peace that God offers, if you love to encourage and help others, you may be wired as a shepherd. Here are some questions that I want you to think about and take home today. As a shepherd, how has God shown that he cares for me? How has God shown that he cares for me? Can we go to that next slide? Number two, am I paying attention to the needs of others? Because we can get caught in the flow of life, right? We can get busy, and we can think that we're shepherds, and we lose touch with what people are going through. So am I paying attention to the needs of others around me? Number three, who in my life needs care or comfort or encouragement? Identify them. Not to fix them, right? 
but to come alongside. And am I following my shepherd Jesus as I shepherd others? Am I trying to do this in my own strength, or am I continually getting my strength from the shepherd himself? To the shepherds among us, we need you. We need your ears. We need your hearts. We need your voice. We need you to come alongside as you see needs and and care for people. I pray that you grow in maturity and humility and compassion so that we as a church can grow in caring for one another. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. This is us. One church, one body, many parts. May we be faithful in following Jesus, using the gifts that he's given all of us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that we see you in all five of these. We thank you for the way that you love us and care for us. We thank you for the way that you are light breaking into the darkness. How you are the one who knows the truth, is the truth, listens to the truth, and gives the truth. How you are calling us home, seeking us, and saving us. That you are bringing healing and peace. And that you're helping us understand your word, who you are, and your ways. That we could actually imitate you. We thank you that that's who you are and what you give. And Jesus, right now as we turn to communion, I pray that it would be a time to remember you. When we take the cup and we take uh, the bread, that we could remember the sacrifice that you made so that we could have life. And that we remember the life that you give us. That it could be both a time of uh, reflection and joy. And what you gave, what we now have. We thank you, Jesus, our good shepherd. Amen.